Where do I start? How do I train recall? How long should we work on healing before moving on? Is crate training really that important? We hear these questions all the time and there's one answer that will help with all of them. The complete step-by-step -step dog training course found at Standing Stone Supply. They break down the what, when, where, and how to train your own dog from eight weeks to one year old. They've got it all laid out for you down to even the daily activity checklist to keep you and your puppy on track. Check out standingstonesupply.com and remember to use code GDIY to save 10%. Being an upland hunter in the South nowadays unfortunately means a lot of travel to try and find birds for my dogs. This means it's even more important that my map scouting is reliable to justify the effort. This is where Onyx comes in. I can honestly say that Onyx directly impacts the level of success I find on my trips. Whether it's the private versus public land boundaries, the expanding number of unique layers and features by state, or the 3D mapping capabilities, my initial step in planning my hunting trip starts with Onyx. To know where you're going, you have to first know where you stand. Check out Onyx Hunt Maps and use code GDIY20 at checkout to save 20%. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. not mad at pigs i don't hate pigs i actually have a lot of respect for them you know it's all about the dogs and that's just one tiny if 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 there was not another pig in this country i would still keep and raise these dogs One thing we all love to do with our dogs is hit the road and go on new adventures. In order for that to happen, we have to be able to safely and efficiently travel with our dogs. Dakota 283 is dedicated to building unparalleled pet protection and tailgate lifestyle products for you and your best friends. Their one-piece roto-molded kennels have many options such as the Hero Series for military-grade crates, T1 low-profile kennels that will fit truck beds with tonneau covers, and their most popular G3 Series that's available in any size you'll need. Dakota not only offers many different sizes and styles of kennels, they also offer products and accessories to help with food and water transport, truck bed storage, and even grooming stations. Have a new puppy and only want to buy one kennel instead of buying multiple ones as they grow? Look at the Forever Kennel Insert Divider that gives you the ability to buy a kennel now and adjust the size inside as needed. No matter what you need to get you on your next adventure with your dog, Dakota has it for you. Check them out now at dakota283.com. Your new 283 lifestyle is just one click and free shipping away. All right, Joe, you ready to take a quick break from the bird dog world and jump into a completely different and strange territory that we don't really talk about ever? <laughs> Time for some hog dogs. Yeah, hog dog, man. This is a, th I've, I've wanted to talk about hog dogs for a while now this uh i want to talk about bear dogs you know it's like uh, most of the people most of our listeners they come here for the bird dog stuff they come here for the versatile dog stuff and that's clearly what our primary focus is on right but i like taking a step away from that every now and again first off you know you kind of get gain a perspective of of really what the dog work is like and just you, you can really come to appreciate all kinds of different hunting and 
jobs and work that these dogs perform. But also, it is kind of nice that, you know, we just take a little quick break here and there and go learn and talk about something new, right? It's kind of like a refresher for, for me, especially you and, and some of the listeners are like, all right, let's just, let's just take a break, go learn about something that I haven't learned about before. And then we'll hop back on, on the, on the, uh, regular stuff next week. Right. Yeah. And this is totally different. You know, <laughs> when we have other guests, you know, it's like, Oh, we're, we got like some retriever trials or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, but this this is a this is a different ball it's, game. It's been a while since we stepped out of the bird dog world, whether it's waterfowl or or whatever. But uh, I had a lot of fun recording with Travis. Uh, he, he's uh, been doing it for a, for a while. And if anything, you know, you odds are if you're listening to this, you know, you're not going to go buy a hog dog, right? But one thing, you know, listen to this, appreciate, and just be entertained by some of the crazy stories that he's d- told mm-hmm. and and lived throughout the years of doing this because some of these stories it's like wow all right uh we're never gonna have to experience that in the bird dog world ever but yeah. it's like it it just he's just one of those guys that like you, when you listen to his story you're gonna be right there with him and you're gonna be entertained so give it a shot even if you're not interested in the hog dog um but you know disclosure we kind of talk about it in the episode i'm gonna tell you right now this is hog dogs these dogs there's really no way to sugarcoat it. It gets pretty brutal. Okay. So go into that with an open mind, listening to some of these stories. Travis acknowledges what this is about. He, he acknowledges the danger that, you know, the imminent danger that these dogs and himself are in. Uh, but it's just part of it. And so, you know, listen to it, get a new perspective, jump into a new world. And, and I hope you guys enjoyed as much as I did. Cause it was, it was a really fun conversation for me. Yeah, did you know uh, Jack is part hog dog? Jack, the setter, the English setter? Yeah, we... uh, See, we we talk a little bit about the German dogs (laughs) making their way into the hog dog world, but we don't talk about the old English gentleman. (laughs) He had a great point. And it was when I kind of first got him, and I was still like pretty new into it. So I was like, oh man, no. I think uh, uh, this is to just show how how new I was, is I think I had the Garmin uh, set on uh, tree, so I was like, oh, he's treed. <laughs> oh, like, God. No, that means he's on point. So uh, my father-in-law went to go flush him out. Uh, and he goes, it's a hog. And so Jack had a great point on a hog. One of the first <laughs> points I had over him was, was was on a medium-sized hog. So he's got <laughs> well, some hot dog in him. <laughs> well, I'm, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'll. I'm just gonna leave that one alone. There's too there's too many ways to make fun of you on that on that example. All right, uh, but yeah. Uh, so I mean, you got you got a review for everybody tuning in this week. Yes, and to go on the trend of um, uh, usernames that I like. Uh, this one's. Oh, uh, put- by the way, last week oh. he responded. It was Mac and Stash. Oh, and, okay. And yeah, what is he so it was Stash, and it was not Stack. Oh man, what is it? his his team gave it to him. Let's see here. Where'd it go? I'm trying to find the wow the messenger email. Well, let me read this while you while you find it real quick. <laughs> now I found this it is, already. This, I found oh, it. You J- found it. I was say, this boys is... basketball. Oh, so, nice. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I like Mac and Stack better. <laughs> Stacking weights, man. <laughs> But anyway, yeah, that just that reminded me. So yeah, go ahead, not to interrupt oh, you. Great, no, made made my day. 
<laughs> so this one, uh, the subject is perfect content, um, and it is by uh, W Huffman seventy three. Huffman, Huff Huffman, Huff, so Huff W man. Huffman, right. Huffman seventy three. But I'm reading it as Wolfman, 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 Wolf All right. for the dogs. You know. Yep. <laughs> I'll, I'll roll with it, whatever. <laughs> oh, man. He goes, I've listened to this show since I got my pup. Even though I got a flushing dog, I still listen because this show provides nothing but good information that I need as a rookie bird hunter and dog handler. So just like what we were saying, he's got a flushing dog. He's opening his mind up to other, th- other things. Even though he's got a flushing dog, he, yeah. he listens to some of the stuff with the pointing dogs. And now he's going to listen to the one about, or he may not. He may he may yeah. not, but he's probably going to listen to this one about uh, hog dogs. Yeah, I hope so, man. I hope I hope we get a lot of good feedback because we, you know, we did a, a, a few hound dog episodes really early on, and uh, you know, we got a lot of good feedback. But it's been quite a while since since we stepped out of that. But there is something to be said for just going with uh, pure instinct and just hard driving the dogs. And and Travis will open your eyes into what these dogs are go- doing. But again, you got me back on talking about this episode. You know. Wolfman, Huffman, uh, appreciate the uh, the review. Hit us up for a sticker. Uh, you know, correct Joe on how, how you actually pronounce the name because apparently that's kind of like a weekly tradition that we do here. Uh, but yeah, I hope that you you know get something out of this episode. I appreciate you still being able to find some good uh, content and quality information, even though we're primarily pointing dogs like you know we're, we're obviously pointer heavy here mm-hmm. we try and do some flushing and retrieving as as often as we can but uh you know i'm glad that you're finding it worth your while to listen every week well nick i've been watching uh a good amount of sports lately it's a good it's a good time <laughs> in sports there's uh you know champion lead soccer and there's playoff basketball and, and baseball and i've noticed a lot of, 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 of things of when athletes get hurt Mm-hmm. I, I saw it in a the, the the Chelsea game or the Chelsea match. However, my soccer fans might get mad at me. <laughs> um, and I I told my wife I was like, oh, he's probably not hurt, even though he's laying on the route. He's probably going to get up and he'll be fine. Or LeBron James has, has been really he's, bad recently. He's he's still on the floor crying right now because he got poked in the eye, right? Yes. And I want to make sure that the audience knows we have our own athlete on this podcast <laughs> and he's playing through an injury right now. And you, man, I can't, I, I can't tell you are, you are just so brave for, uh, for what you're doing, playing through this injury. Hey, you know, not all heroes wear capes. All yeah. right. You know, so and, is, is this around your tip of the week? <laughs> we can make it the tip of the week. Uh, don't play wiffle ball with the local kids in the neighborhood while wearing flip flops. It doesn't end well for for us old folks. <laughs> were you trying to Were you trying to leg out a, a a double? No, I wasn't even running. So it was funny. It's just like you know, you had the kids; they were playing their games, and it, me and you have done it in your backyard before, where we just pick up a bat and <laughs> whiffle ball, and we just start you know home run derby style. And, and so uh, one kid just started throwing the whiffle ball, and I'm you know just dong 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 <laughs> and uh, then another kid they started throwing it right behind each other, like one pitch one pitch and then they started throwing it at the same time and me being you know just the idiot that i am i'm trying to hit both at the same time and i turn and i crank one 
but my flip flop folded underneath my foot and it just, I got sniped, man. So <laughs> somebody took out my leg from a distance. I'm on the ground like, Oh God. <laughs> did, so, did they have to carry you, carry you back to Pam and no, at your house? Pam was over there just shaking her head. She was off with the other adults. One guy looks at me. He's like, man, it sucks when we try and be kids again. I'm like, it yeah. does. But yeah, I got up immediately and like started hobbling off so that I'm not sitting there like cursing up a storm with all the kids around. I'm like, oh Jesus! <laughs> so yeah, tip of the week, you know, don't don't go play wiffle ball and flip flops ever. And uh, yeah, it's hey, it's it's a good thing that's not hunting season, <laughs> dude. It jacked my ankle up, <laughs> man. Did you ever? So I, I remember in high school that my my coach would get so mad if he saw me playing like basketball in PE class. He's like, "What are you doing, Lamberson? You can't be you can't be playing pickup basketball during baseball season." Yeah, and you know that's a good tip of the week too. If it's hunting season, maybe you shouldn't be uh, doing extreme sports like wiffle ball. Because <laughs> <laughs> there's no way you're going to be, there would be no way you're you're marching up those East Tennessee Hills if you're oh, not if a you chance. got your ankle right now. Not a so. chance. I'm sitting here like, man, I, so I've been doing laps and, and when I'm exercising the girls, like I'm trying to get myself back into shape for hunting season. And, you know, I got, I got this, you know sniper injury on my <laughs> leg <laughs> but yeah so uh that's my tip of the week so I, sorry i don't have anything uh, crazy for you we're really kind of stepping out of our element here this week joe yeah well guys uh we'll get to the episode but make sure you guys go on uh social media make sure you like the page nick does a great job of posting every tuesday after the episode's up so make sure you go and like that because when you go and like it more people are going to see the podcast and they're going to listen there you go. Nothing to add here. Hope you guys enjoy, and uh, we'll be back with the with the regular bird dog content next week. So, hope everybody had a great holiday, and uh, we'll check back next week. We get asked all the time what the most important thing to consider is when training and living with a hunting dog, and they're often surprised when they hear us answer with proper nutrition. It's pretty obvious when you think about it, though. It doesn't matter how well the dog is trained if it doesn't have the right fuel. The saying garbage in, garbage out rings true in dog nutrition. Yukonuba's premium performance lineup goes beyond just protein and fat with a number of different formulas designed to fuel your dog's specific activity level while supporting their recovery and optimizing their nutrient delivery. The proof is in the pudding, or lack thereof, when you make the switch to Yukonuba. You'll see immediate results in your dog's energy level and drive. They have a formula for every type of dog from your hardest working dog in the field to your laziest retired dog on the couch. Head on over to yukanubasportingdog.com to find the right formula for your hunting partner. Make the switch today and let Yukanuba fuel your dog so you can focus on what you and your dog actually love to do, work. Picture this. You just finished a long day's hunt or a long day in the training field grooming your next champion. You've run through your entire string of dogs in anticipation for the next fall. You think the day's over. It's not though. Your day's not over until you let that ugly dog hunt. No hunting or training session is complete without capping it off with one of the spirits from Ugly Dog Distillery. They're Michigan raised and purebred handcrafted spirits. They have everything you need from vodka and gin to your more traditional after hunt choice Kentucky bourbon. Head on over to UglyDogDistillery.com to check availability within your state. And if you have an upcoming event that's alcohol friendly, then be sure to reach out to us and see if we can add another ugly dog to the lineup. We'll tell you right now, we aren't much on flavored whiskeys, but you have to try their peanut butter whiskey. 
Unlike other peanut butter whiskeys out there, Ugly Dogs is made with real Kentucky bourbon and not just grain alcohol with syrup. So after your next hunt or a long day of testing and you're trying to decide what to drink, reach for the bottle with Ruger, the German wire hair pointer on it. It was handcrafted by people just like us, dog people. Every adventure starts somewhere. Make sure yours includes an ugly dog at your side. Explore responsibly. All right, everybody, welcome back. We are actually here this week to talk about something a little bit different, a little change of pace for us. I have Travis Murray on the line with us this week, and we're going to talk everything hog dogs this week. Travis, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing great. Well, first off, I appreciate you taking time, especially coming on and uh, talking about something that we don't normally cover a lot of. But since I've been doing this podcast, I like to fit in, you know, a, a little bit different elements than just the bird dog stuff that we primarily talk about because, you know, there's a lot of crossover. And at the end of the day, I feel like dog behavior is dog behavior and there's a lot to learn from from each other. And And also, it's a little fun stepping out of our comfort zone and talking about something we don't normally talk about. Okay, yeah, I'm glad to be here, and I agree with you completely. Uh, the look in a dog's eye, whether a bird is his universe or a hog or rabbit or whatever, is the same look. Yep. And I think that's what all dog people go for. Absolutely, that drive, and that's what it's all about. And, and you know, I love just seeing a dog – no matter what job it's put on earth to do, I just love seeing a dog do its job. And, uh, you know, that's, this is something that I've really wanted to break down. And, but first go ahead, introduce yourself properly, tell everybody where you're from and what you do and what really kind of got you started in the hog dog world. Well, uh, I'm Travis Murray. I'm from way down in South Mississippi, right on the Mississippi river. And, uh, what got me started in hog dogs was I was, I was basically raised with pit bulls. Um, my grandparents and all of them, we've, our family has raised pit bulls since way back in the sixties. So mm. I was born into that breed of dog and I've always been a fanatical hunter and I bow hunt traditional bow hunt. And in the early eighties, hogs began to appear and i was actually among some of the first we'd try there weren't hogs right here where we live at that point there just weren't any hogs there were some down around pearl river and we all started getting a group of dogs together and the first guys they would go down there and they would use hounds plots any number of dogs it's there's a lot of breeds that can be used to go find a pig mm-hmm and they'd go find the pigs, and then they'd corral them up and shoot them. And, and that worked into they contacted, you know, people like me and other people that had pit bulls. They had the detectives that would go find the hogs. They wanted to find some guys with a SWAT team to actually go catch the hog and subdue it with a dog. And that's how I got started. And it's a, it was a very different world back then. There was no tracking collars, no cut vests. We, uh, it's dangerous business, even with a cut vest. Yeah. And, the the difference in catching hogs from back then to this era is, it's just literally phenomenal. It was very simple back then. The pigs acted differently. The pigs have changed their behavior in a, I know that sounds crazy. I was about to say, in what way? They, 
they no longer bay well. Back when, back in the early eighties and nineties, you would put the detectives out, the bay dogs, the hounds, plots, catahoulas, whatever. And, you know, they would go find a pig. Generally, that pig, whether it was a sow, boar, whatever it was, would find the nearest really nasty thicket, back up in it, and bay up and be ready to fight. You bring in the SWAT team, the bulldogs, and you catch him, and it's done. The hogs, through learned behavior, they run now. And when I say they run, we got on one a few weeks ago, and we run that pig from about daylight to about one. And we never caught him. He just would not, he wore our dog, he wore our bay dogs out and they just couldn't put enough heat on him to make him bay up. Yeah. You have to have tracking collars now, at least in my part of the world, you you better have some tracking collars. The pigs are going to run and it's, it's actually way more difficult than it was back when I started. So back when you started, you would really go out and and the dog would almost, you know, that they would just bay up. And then I guess, I guess over years and over pressure, they just figured out like, Hey, you know, we're not going to win this fight when we're fighting that many dogs, but I can outrun them. It, I mean, is it it's, just over time they figured it out? It's a learned behavior in the pigs. I believe a pig is a very smart animal. Mm-hmm. And you had a lot of people that would, when, when it began to boom in the nineties, when pigs really began to spread, you would have, and you started having hog, you know, catching hogs with dogs began to get some popularity to it. You started having guys that would, they'd catch the pig and then they'd go take them and turn them loose somewhere else. That's a big no, no. Yeah. But they did it. Yep. I mean, whether it's right or wrong, they did it. And so you would have a hog that had been run and caught. And then he had done seen that show before. And then <laughs> yeah. they take him and turn him loose somewhere else. You know, like I said, he's, he's seen how that ends. Yeah. So they just run and run. And I'm convinced that it is a learned behavior. Yeah. They are extremely, we had one we kept here and I caught him on cat Island, Louisiana. He was a little striped football. And we were going to bring him home and eat him. The, we got to him before the pit bulls could kill him. And we brought him home. And somewhere along the line, my son, who was young at the time, kept playing with him while we were raising him out to eat him. And he became a pet instead of food. Mm. We kept him 15 years. He grew to be about 420 pounds, had God. buck knives on each side of his head. <laughs> wow. He would had his own pen up there. <laughs> and I learned a lot about pigs from him. He never got mean. You could, he'd eat out of my hand till the day he died. Wow. And, uh, well, actually he didn't die in the pen. He got old and decrepit and mm. he got out one day and we just let him fiddle around here in the yard till he finally died. Uh. Um, but we got to watch his whole lifespan and I learned just how smart a pig really is. They really are very smart animals. Yeah. And so I, I, I want to backtrack. I mean, that's really interesting. I, I want to backtrack though, because you, you used a word and I think that we need to do like a little, a, a bit of a warning, a listener warning on this. You know, you use the, the language, kill the pig, right? You know, the dogs kill the right. pig. 
touch on that because I, I mean this is something that you know the listeners need to know that this may not be you know as as nice of a conversation as what they're typically used to hearing about like bird dogs and and stuff like that. Uh, no, it's you know the the simple fact is it is a brutal brutal thing to catch a pig. Mm-hmm. A pig is a intelligent animal. A pig will fight. A pig is one of the few wild animals on earth that understands the concept of revenge and payback. Mm-hmm. They will hurt you. They will hurt your dogs. They are dangerous. In fact, I would rate them as probably when fooled with. Like if you, if you, if you injure a boar, he becomes, in my opinion, probably one of the most dangerous animals in North America. He may mm-hmm. run off. And he may decide to spend the last few minutes of his life trying to get you. You just never know. <laughs> wow. And they have the equipment to, to you know, it, 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 it's a, it is a brutal sport. PETA would probably not be, of course, PETA's not in favor of anything. They don't like bird <laughs> dog hunting or anything. Yeah. But you can, you know, we have, you know, I, I run the best cut vests, and I do everything I can to protect my dogs. Yep. Sometimes you lose a dog. I mean, it happens. Yeah. Um, and, and that's just the truth of it. So at the end of the day, I mean, you know, you just mentioned a bunch of different breeds, and I know you mentioned that you run run uh, bulldogs. You you run your pit bulls. But at the end of the day, it's it's very similar. I mean, it's kind of like you, you're just a houndsman, right? And so houndsmen, they run a lot of dangerous game from mountain lions to bears. There's there's a lot of dangerous animals out there that these dogs are put on this planet to chase, and and that's what their drive is about. So, like, I wanted to touch on this. You know, if somebody's listening to this and they're like, man, the dogs killed the pig, yes. It's, it's uh, you know, there's no way to sugarcoat that. It is a dangerous sport, and like you said, y'all take as much precautions as you can, but stuff still happens. You can get injured, the dog can get injured. It, it does, and, and the, the killing of the pig, when I go to it, which we own a bunch of property, that is my property that's on the Homachita river. And, you know, when I go and when, when we go to another man's property and they let us go hunt his property, they expect any pig we catch to be gone because they're, they, they dig, they, they break horses legs by digging holes. They're very destructive. They don't want you going in there, catching the pig and turning loose. They want a dead pig. Mm -hmm. And I wouldn't lie. I wouldn't mislead a landowner. That's what we do. When we leave, that pig is not going to be a problem to them anymore. Yeah. So you mentioned and you, and when I say the dogs kill them, that's not always true. Um, the 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 type of the type, and I probably need to backtrack a little bit. Pit bull is a catch word for anything with a big head and a big chest. <laughs> there's there's American bulldogs. There's dogos. What I'm talking about is the real American pit bull terrier. They're actually very rare. There's not your, what you see on TV, the pit bulls probably is not them. They're a performance bred line of dogs. They have lines just like I'm sure bird dogs have performance lines. Oh yeah. And, and so the pit bulls I run are out of the performance lines and very often, the hooligan, my main one now, he he will 
he will end the pig if you don't get there quick. Mm. I mean, he, he has the capability. He'll get on the snout, crush it, and he will kill a pig. Yeah. So uh, a right. lot of catch dogs don't do that. A lot of them will just get an ear and ride it, and then you have to get there and throw him. So you have a different variance of how dangerous the dogs are to the pig. A lot of people just catch pigs, and basically they just chew on their ears. Gotcha. So, so I mean, there, there's so many ways to go with this. I, I want to backtrack to, like, you just broke it down, just simplification. I, I mean, treat us like we know nothing about this this sport, this this hunting type. You know, you, you already mentioned the difference between bay and, and swat dogs, as you call them, your catch dogs. You know, describe a hunt to us. Walk us from start to end of what, you know, the best case scenario hunt is, and then we can start breaking it down into what the dog work does and then also how you start developing these dogs. Well, understand that my side of this, I have never bred or raised bay dogs. I am strictly a catch dog guy. They are my first love. I don't stray from them. And I have trained... I've trained a bunch of them for other people. I have, I have a pig and a pen for training. I always keep one. And I, I have trained hundreds, if not a thousand catch dogs of every type of breed and type you can imagine. That is where my main expertise comes in. The bay dogs, while I'm certainly familiar with them, there are people out there that have forgotten more about them than I know. I'm not, you know, I'm kind of a, you know, it's just that I'm the catch dog guy. <laughs> the typical hunt would be, we would gather up, load up the four wheelers. You would put the bay dogs, you would go and we would ride around till we see a fresh track or fresh sign and put the bay dogs out, which are your, your detectives to go mm -hmm. find the pig dogs. Now <clears throat> there's a lot of controversy in the hog dog world right now. Back when I started, the detectives and the SWAT team were strictly separated, which means our bay dogs didn't grab the pig or take hold of it. And that's still the way I like to hunt. There's a lot of guys, and they catch pigs. I'm not, not criticizing anybody because these guys catch pigs do it. It's just not the way I prefer to do it. They have what they call running catch dogs, mm -hmm. and they will – the detectives, and they're usually got some kind of catahoula, maybe have some kind of bulldog, dogo, something mixed in. They're usually pretty gritty bay dogs. Mm -hmm. And they will use them, and they won't even have dedicated catch dogs. My One of my uncles did this a lot when he got into the sport. And, you know, just my line of thinking, it works great until you start running into really nasty, big, bad boars. Yeah. And then, then is when you really need a dedicated SWAT team and some really good bulldogs. So my perfect morning would be to take the bay dogs, unload them, get on a good, big, fresh track. Cause it's, it's like deer hunting. You know, you want, given my druthers, I want to get on a big old bull. Yeah. So we put them out, let them do their thing. You hear them start, you hear them start hollering and getting excited and of course you get excited and you can see the you can see the catch dogs they know something's up in fact hooligan i can my main when i'm sitting here looking at him now as i talk he's sitting out on his house looking at me <laughs> i can walk out there with a leash 
and he gets excited. He knows he's going to go walking. We're going to go work. We're going to do some kind of work. Oh yeah. Our bird dogs are the same out. way. That's exactly right. I can walk out there with that cut vest and he knows we're going hunting <laughs> and he violently, he doesn't just wag his tail. He violently wags everything from his head back. <laughs> he's so excited. The enthusiasm, he literally, his muscles are shaking. You know, the emotions of the dogs are what I, you know, that's where the true pleasure comes in. Cause if I just wanted to kill hogs, I'd kill way more hogs. If I just got an AR 15 and put a thermal on it and went out at night and shot them. Yeah. But it's the interaction with the dogs that I love. And I think your listeners and you, you know, you don't, you don't bird hunt just to kill birds, no. you bird hunt to be able to go with the dogs and interact with them. Absolutely. It's that special bond between man and dog. Absolutely. So when the, when the bay dogs start pollering and they're, they're chasing a pig, usually we're within hearing if we're lucky, sometimes not of the catch dogs. Mm-hmm. And you can, you can see their expressions change. Some of them are laid back and they're just, they'll almost fall asleep. And then all of a sudden, you know, it's on. <laughs> and there's just excitement in the air. The people are, the people are excited. We don't know, you know, we don't know what's going on yet. And you never know if you've got a 60 pound shoat or a 300 pound dog killer on your hands. You just don't know. And the element of danger is something that's not present and I'm, I'm not a big bird hunter. I have done it a few times. I thoroughly enjoyed it. It's just not something that you have a lot of opportunity to do in South Mississippi. Right. I do do a lot of deer hunting and squirrel hunting. The element of danger that pigs bring to the table is it, it adds something to it. And so the, the bay dogs are out there. You hear them and you can tell when they bay. And if they're out of range, the collars now, you can tell if they're bayed. Right. The tracking collars. Because you have to have tracking collars now. So if they're out of hearing, we get in the four-wheelers and try to get within hearing. But we do not get very close. We try to stay three, at least 300 yards from the bay. That far out, really? Yeah, pigs are. They'll charge yeah, you real quick. Pigs are, well, no, it's not, it's not the charging at this point. They'll break bay and we're off to the races. Oh, I got you. The, the trick now is getting there with the SWAT team and getting a bulldog on him before he breaks and takes off to the races again. Gotcha. So if we think we've got a solid bay, we unload some bulldogs on leashes, and there we go. And it's usually going to be somewhere wet, nasty, thick, <laughs> probably the worst place you can imagine. <laughs> yeah. We get there in the woods, and we decide, you know, at some point – we, we, I like to see the pig before I turn the catch dog loose. That's usually not the case. You, you know, he's right there in that thicket somewhere. We turn a couple of catch dogs loose and they just rock it in there. And then it's on. You either hear squealing of a little pig or you start hearing the man. <laughs> and you want to, if, if you determine you're on a big hog and a dangerous hog, we want to get there as quick as possible. And because the longer he's free, the more he has a chance to cut your dogs up. Yeah. And cut vests are wonderful and they're a godsend, but they are not perfect. And you've, uh, we have a lot of, 
we have a lot of dogs get cut. Luckily, we don't get that many get killed anymore. But yeah. we're always sewing up dogs because unless you have actually felt the cutter on a hog, every time he closes his mouth, he's sharpening it. And it literally is about like a steak knife you get out of the kitchen. It's just about that sharp. And they can do a whole lot of damage real quick. So we try to get in there and grab the back legs and control the hog and throw him as quick as possible. And it's, it's exciting. There's people, none of, we usually don't take guns. I certainly don't take a gun. Um, some people do. It's kind of gotten popular now. You'll see, especially somebody new, they'll come in there and they'll have like a big 44 Magnum or a 454 Casole on their hip. Yeah. I'm not a fan of guns because things are happening so fast. There's dogs everywhere. We had a guy one time and he got excited. The pig ran at him and he just about shot everything and us except the pig. Oh, wow. And we kind of decided after that, we didn't want too many guns around. If there is a gun, it's going to be in the hands of one guy that I know well. Right. Makes sense. Uh, a stranger shows up to a hunt with a gun. Uh-uh. Have to get to know <laughs> yeah. you first. Yeah. So th- that's a typical hunt. And the unknown is part of it. Uh, Saturday, we went, we went Saturday, got a little small show. We turned loose pretty much what we said, got off down in a swampy bottom. Mm-hmm. We could hear the race. We could hear them bay. We went in there with the bulldogs and we, co- it was about a 60 pound show. And of course it was, you know, the dogs, by the time we got to it within a few seconds, the dogs had it pretty much on its way to death's door. Yeah. But we could have just as easily walked in there on a 300 pound dog killer. Yeah. And over the years, I've had a broken rib. I've been bit in the face. His cutters didn't get me, but his, he did bite me in the face, but his snout knocked my head out of the way. Luckily. I was about, did, did they, did he like, did he like trip you on the ground or something and then get in your face? Like, how did that happen? I, I turned to go up a tree and my foot was between two cypress knees and I fell flat on my belly and he run right up my back over me and bit me as he went past. Oh, wow. And he, you know, he, his, like I said, his snout, his snout shoved my head out of the way. So his cutters didn't get me. So I I want you to describe, you know, you've done a very good job of putting us in the hunt and describing just how mean these hogs are, but I don't think that the average person can really fathom how big these hogs get, right? You told us how much they weigh, but you know, I, so I've only seen a couple big ones that when I was out quail hunting in Oklahoma, they get ginormous, and until you really see a full-grown boar, you don't really understand how big they can get. So, like, describe just how big they are along with the attitude and just how mean you've described them. Well, there is an irony there. <clears throat> the pig that run over me and bit me in the face was one of the biggest pigs I've ever seen, and he's what we call a lifted hog. He was primarily a light tan color with black spots. He had a lot of domestic in him. Okay. Most of our hogs in this area have a, they, for whatever reason, don't, I can't explain it. They imported Russian hogs and brought them here at some point down to cat Island is the rumor, but Mm -hmm. we have 
the, a lot of the pigs we catch here, if you go turn on wild Russia and look at the Eurasian boar, that's what we have. He's not going to get much over 325, 350. Maybe the one I had in the pen, he got to about four just because he had the best diet, food, and everything else. Yeah. But you're not going to get the five, 600 pounders that are the really deep Russian blood. And to be honest, had that been the pig that run me over and bit me in the face, had that been a 250 pound Russian, I would have probably got eaten smooth up because he would have had better cutters. He's faster and more nimble. I would way rather deal with a 400 pound boar than I had a 250 pounder with two inch cutters. The ones you see, if you ever see one, and he's got them curled back like a ram's horn. <laughs> yeah. Somebody has caught that pig and knocked his grinders out. That pig is not that dumb. I mean, he'll knock the daylights out of you. He'll hurt you. The one that's really dangerous is your 200 to 250 pounder, and you can just barely see his cutters sticking out of the lip. Mm. That's the one that will really eat you up. That's the one that will kill your dogs the worst. When they get bigger, they lose some of that mobility and some of that athleticism. Yeah. The, the baddest pig I have ever personally dealt with weighed 260 pounds. And he was, his daddy must have been Satan and his mama the Tasmanian <laughs> devil. Because he was bad. <laughs> and I mean, he was bad. And he spent, he spent the last breaths of his life doing everything he could to mm. kill me. You know, that's the reason I say they have the understanding and the ability to understand revenge. Yeah. Makes sense. And, so, uh, and, and, and I've, I've had them like this particular pig I'm talking about. He had the opportunity to flee. He had the, he didn't, he didn't have a dog a hold to him at that point. He could have hit them woods. Yeah. He didn't do that. He decided to come get some of me. And that's what I'm talking about. They have a, you can, at a certain point, they lose all ability to care about their own life and they just want to get you. Mm. And you're not going to run into too many other. I hear leopards in Africa are kind of like that. I've never dealt with them. Yeah. But most wild animals, I've been out west, I've been on a few mountain lion hunts. They actually, back in the 70s, they come got some of my grandpa's bulldogs for doing that. They were trying to use them to subdue cats or something. I don't know exactly what they did, <laughs> but they, they liked them because they wanted to get more, but he wouldn't let them have any more. Yeah. And, uh, so, but the, the pig is just such a, he has that ability to think reason and he understands revenge. Yeah. Sounds like it. So I, I want, I want to back up. I got a bunch of questions on this cause you just walked us through the hunt and I felt like I, I was there, but Back to the dogs, you know, I, I, I'm wanting to break this down to anybody that really they've never seen or experienced this. I've never seen one in person. I've just talked to a bunch of people and seen some videos. You, you said that you don't deal with bay hounds. You deal with the SWAT team, the catch dogs. But you right. just said that you have to have the, the bay hounds, the bay dogs to find the pigs. So is this, when you're out hog hunting, is this something to where you you have to have a group of guys? Or do you have some bay dogs within your pack that that maybe you just got from somebody else who was already trained up? No, I have, I have hunting buddies that do the bay dogs. Okay, so y'all are always in a group going out and hunting then. 
Yes. Now I have, I will occasionally do, uh, I'll occasionally set snares and to eradicate pigs, I've set snares and I've set traps. And at times I'll set a trap and I want to get the pig out of the trap alive and get him to my training pen. Gotcha. So I will sometimes use my catch dogs to get a get like if I've got a pig in a trap that's a problem that I can't handle by myself, I'll let the bulldog get a hold to him and then I'll get the pig out. Gotcha. I, I use them like that too. I'll put them on ones and snares. I use them a lot if I if somebody in our party is deer hunting or somebody wounds a pig, we'll use them to go get the wounded pig. Okay. But to go out and actually hog hunt by myself, I do not have the bay dogs to properly do that. Gotcha. Don't want them. I, I don't have enough. The, the, to, and most guys, let me explain this. Most guys run, they run whatever kind of pit bull they can find. And it works good. I'm, uh, I like this particular line. To me, it's all about the dogs. You know, if you've got a, you've got a particular bird dog you really like, even though there's others out there that'll work, you like that, yeah. that style of dog. Absolutely. So that's what I'm like with these, these, uh, ABP, the American pit bull terriers that we run. And I've trained, I've trained dogos. I've trained American bulldogs. I've trained a lot. I, I had a guy bring me a wolf and a hybrid wolf that he was convinced would catch a pig. I tried to tell him they are not going to catch a pig. <laughs> and we put those wolves in there and the pig, absolutely, it wasn't that bad a pig. It's about a 180 pound pig. Just mm-hmm. absolutely routed them and they were screaming and hollering to get out of the pen. I, you know, you, a wolf is not designed for that. And I tried to tell that guy that. Point being, I have... I have trained just about every kind of catch dog there is. Patterdales are actually surprisingly good. They are, I like that. If I couldn't run American pit bull terriers, I'd run dogos or Patterdales. Okay. So real quick, while but you're the, on, uh, while you're on the breeds, I want to, you, cause I've heard about people talking about like, oh yeah, you know, this dog used to be a boar hound, you know, what about, you know, the Ridgebacks, Rhodesian Ridgebacks? A Rhodesian Ridgeback is an interesting dog, and I have had some experience with them. They tend to be grabby. What I mean by grabby is they're the, the ones that I dealt with would go find a pig and were pretty effective at it, but they were also going to grab that pig. Okay. And we had one get himself into big trouble because we wasn't around, and he latched on to a uh, I think the pig turned out to be about 160 pounder, but he had enough cutters, and we had to we had to do a lot of physician work on that ridgeback. Mm. So the fact that they're grabby can be it works against them if you're the kind of guy like me that don't want your bay dogs mouthing the pig. I want my bay I want the bay dogs to go find the pig, bay him, and then wait for us with the bulldogs. Yeah, I don't want him grabbing. I don't want him mouthy and grabby. Ridgebacks, they tend to be a little bit too grabby for my taste, and they're really not. They're not going to hold on to a pig and subdue one like a American pit bull terrier or a dogo. They're kind of in. They're good running catch dogs. If you're running, if you if you're a running catch dog man, 
they would be high on my list. That's just not the way I hunt. Them. Yeah. All right, I got you. So, so real quick, you just broke down uh, all the catch dogs and the SWAT dogs, but the bay dog. You, you mentioned hounds and plots and catahoulas. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm picturing just coon hounds, a bunch of mixes. But that's something to where, uh, you know, that there's a bunch of uh, uh, German bird dogs and versatile dogs that they're they're uh, what they call cider scent louden. They voice on game. Is that have you ever seen mm-hmm. any German bird dogs or versatile dogs uh, involved in this? Well, now that you mention it, one of my hunting buddies has and and understand that both in the catch dogs and the bay dogs, there's no, you know, I, I'm I'm an American pit bull terrier guy. Mm-hmm. There's some I've trained some fine dogos. I have seen plot hounds that were great detectives. I've seen walkers. I've seen some beagles. <laughs> nice. So, you know, the the dogs are very variant in their in their roles. And you mentioned the bird dog. My friend has a German short-haired pointer. Oh, that's their. He's basically their house dog. And we took him about a month ago and put him in my bay pen on a pretty. The, the pig I have right now in my bay pen is. He's pretty nasty little customer. Okay. And he's, he's, he's not any fun. And we put that dog in there with some other bay dogs. He just wanted to put him in there just for giggles. Well, (laughs) he didn't do that. He didn't do that bad. I mean, he's, he's quick. He's fast. He's got enough sense to get out of the way of the pig. Okay. And he wound up taking him last Sunday to a bay dog competition down in Louisiana and won first place with it, with a German <laughs> short-haired pointer. So, and he, he he sent me the he sent me the video, and I mean that that German short-haired pointer is he may not be a classical style you think of as a bay dog, but he's doing a mighty fine job. I was about to say it. You know, that's it's that German lineage. They're versatile dogs for a reason. They definitely have have the uh, the drive and the and the genetics and bloodlines. And that, and what that goes back to is he had, you said it a hundred percent. He has that drive. He has that desire. His master, the owner, let him know what he wanted him to do. Yep. And now he does it may not be what he was really bred for, Yeah. but the drive is the drive. So I'm just going to go ahead. I know there's somebody out there going, there's actual competitions out there for it. You know, that doesn't surprise me at all because there's competitions for, for everything with these dogs. If people can, can dream of it and, and, and fall in love with what these dogs do, there's a competition for it. Right. But exactly, you know, how popular is a hog dog competition? And you, you mentioned the, uh, a bay competition. I'm assuming there's a different type of competition for bay or your catch dogs. I don't, and I don't, there's way more bay competitions than catch competitions. Okay. The, the problem with a, a catch competition is we're in a, we're in such a politically correct world mm-hmm. that, you know, somebody takes a, somebody takes a video of a bay competition. You've just got a bunch of dogs running around a pig yapping at it yeah you know that's what they're supposed to do they're supposed to keep they're supposed to keep that hog's attention and keep it from breaking and running that's what they're supposed to do almost a herding aspect if you will yeah 
and somebody takes a video of that and puts it around on YouTube and it's, you know, I'm sure PETA hates it and would, would probably want to be, you know, do what they do. Yeah. But a catch dog competition is far more brutal. You're just doing more harm than good for the sport that you love and, and you're trying to, trying to grow. I'm right? not going to say that. I'm going to say that my opinion on that is that's not something that needs to be out. Yep. A whole lot. It, it's it's gonna it's gonna give the wrong kind of people ammunition that can be used. Yeah, because you know, especially you know, I've I've never been to one. I don't do them. I don't put them on. I'm not against them. I mean, I'm a freedom guy. I think they should have all they want. I think it can be used against us. Um, you know, I I train catch dogs, and it's, you know, th- this dog I'm looking at, you may have, I don't know if you could hear him on the phone. You just heard him whine because you he can hear me talking. His name is Hooligan. Hooligan will not stay in a 10 foot fence. He'll go over a 10 foot fence. He can do a standing eight foot jump. Mm. He run, he caught a coyote in our cow pasture, a big male coyote running down, outrunning, caught him and killed him. You could, you could hear the bones popping from 200 yards away. Wow. These are a variant. These are very intense dogs. Now he's also a registered service dog and he'll eat out of your hand. He's a complete baby. Won't hurt the cats. Won't hurt the chickens. Wow. But when you give him his job, he's all in 100%. Yeah. And you know, I wouldn't, the wrong people he's, what he does to a pig is very bloody and very brutal. I mean, that's just, that's just the way it is. Yeah. You know, hunting, hunting at the end of the day is about killing. Yeah. And I, I don't, I think a lot, I think the, the catch dog competitions are pretty much on the low down because they don't want to give the animal, the animal rights crazies any more ammunition. Absolutely. Yeah. It makes sense. I, um, I, I want to touch more on, you just mentioned that, you know, this is a very vicious sport. It's dangerous. We've already covered that. Your, your dog mm-hmm. has the drive. It, it kills pigs. It kills coyotes, obviously. But you just mentioned mm-hmm. that it's also your companion and it's your house dog. It, it's not killing your chickens. It's not harming the cats. You know, what? Yeah. It, d- describe that lineage. Like how, I mean, is it just a, a simple matter of you direct the dog early on? Like your drive goes towards this, but not that inside the house? Yeah exactly what it is it's all about training and time spent with the dog and it doesn't matter if he's a bird dog or a or a hooligan who's still up there screaming because he hears me he <laughs> wants to do something and and these dogs scream they don't bark it sounds like a panther up there in the woods <laughs> or somebody getting tortured they're they just they're just not like normal dogs yeah but i took him i I've, of course i raised my own dogs and i've had him as a puppy as i do all of mine you can take one of these, and th- these dogs are pretty rare. These true, these true pit bulls that are the of the real blood. They're yeah. they're pretty rare. You don't just go get these dogs, and you can take him and you can make him. They're they're very animal aggressive by nature. That's what it's you know a beagle out of good blood wants to chase a rabbit. Yeah, a good bird dog wants to point birds. Yep. You know, these are animal aggressive dogs. 
They're not human aggressive at all. In fact, they make terrible guard dogs. But you can direct that. You know, he knows I don't want him bothering the chickens. In fact, the coyote got killed for trying to get our chickens. We have free-range chickens. Gotcha. And if he wouldn't have been around here trying to get a chicken, he wouldn't have run into who. <laughs> yeah. But the that dog was just it, with as much drive as he is. And, and I cannot really describe how much drive this dog has. I mean, it is just almost, you almost have to see it to believe it. It's all, it's not a craziness. It's just a very focused, intense, purposeful drive. Same thing in a good bird dog, same thing in a good rabbit dog. Um, you know, I can see that German short haired pointer in that video when he's baying that pig. Mm-hmm. That pig is that dog's universe. Now, it's not in his bloodline to go in there and grab and subdue that pig like it is hooligans. He's doing what his genes tell him to do, but he's just as intense as hooligan in his own way. You can see his muscles shaking. He's excited. He can hear his he can hear his daddy back there cheering him on. He's doing what he loves to do, and that pig is his universe. Mm-hmm. And it's the same with all breeds. That's what you love in your bird dogs. That's what a guy running his hounds likes. That that's what draw us to dogs. Yes, absolutely. It's it's all about that dog. And I mean, it, I, I tell you, you know, I've had a few people they ask me, do I ever get sick of repeating the same stuff, especially on puppy level intro stuff and exposure with, with bird dogs? And I'm like, no. If you if you're ever around somebody that sees their dog for the first time go on point or successfully, you know, retrieve a drag or a duck or something like that. You don't have to ask mm-hmm. that because it's, it's the same for everybody to where they just light up when they see their dog do what it was put on this earth to do. Right. Exactly. Right. That's part of you. That is, that is the closest hunting partner you will ever have that, that hunting partner will do anything it can possibly do to please you. All you have to do is let it know what you want it to do. Yeah. And that's where a lot of people go wrong. Yep. But uh absolutely. So so let's you know, but, uh, let's stay on that because we're we're really ultimately talking about why this dog was bred and why it's on this planet. So like break down how much of this truly is the drive and the genetics of that dog and how much of it is training. Like when you say that you're training these catch dogs, we don't have to go into the gruesome details if you don't want to or anything, but you know, how much training and time is really put into each one of these dogs? Well, when I'm doing it for someone else and, and, and I don't, I don't really do that much anymore, but back in the nineties and two thousands and all, I would have, I did a lot of it, a lot of it. And all breeds are different. Um, you know, they, a, a guy brought me, you ever heard of a Tosa? A Tosa. I don't think I have. It is a massive, massive Japanese breed. And when I say massive, I'm talking 130, 140 pounds. Guy brought me a Tosa that he wanted trained to catch pigs. He figured it would be a great pig catching dog. Because it was so big. And a Tosa is not just big. A Tosa is pretty gritty. They're a they're a pretty gritty dog. So we tried him. 
and I, I looked at that dog about three minutes, and I told him, I said, we don't want to, you don't want this, because I could tell the dog was, the way he acted, I could tell he was already, in three minutes, the dog was getting hot, he was starting to get to where the pig was getting maneuvers on him, he could not, he would not take a holt and work that holt. And I told him, I said, what's going to happen is you're going to train this dog up and he's going to go, he's going to go get on a pig. He's gritty enough. He's going to go get on that pig. Mm -hmm. And what's going to happen is he's going to run into a bad one and he doesn't have what it takes to handle that pig and he's going to get himself hurt or killed. And that's my, one of the main reasons I will always love the American Pitbull Terrier is they're the perfect size. They're anywhere from 40 to 60 pounds most of the time, but they have a natural, they don't overheat easy. They can withstand some pretty gruesome wounds and not go into shock. They're very resistant. I've seen no other breed that's nearly as resistant to shock and taking physical damage as them. They can take it. Whereas another dog, even, even some pretty gritty breeds like Dogos, Dogos are awesome dogs. I love them. He can't take the heat and punishment of the American pit bull terrier. He will, he will go into shock sooner. He's bigger and he can put more weight on a pig, but he doesn't have, he's not, I, I just like the sweet spot of the American pit bull terrier. Yeah. The training of them, you don't train a dogo the way you train an American pit bull terrier. You don't train an American bulldog. The training is different for every breed, depending on its strengths and weaknesses. The, the American pit bull terriers that I deal with have extremely high drive. And once they know, once they're turned on to pigs, we call it turned on, mm -hmm. they're on. They're, you know, it, once I send hooligan to a pig, you're not calling him back. And if you can train him to come back to you, he's not any good. Mm. So they are a they are a guided missile that you have to focus on what you want them to get because Don't. they're like a Terminator. When, <laughs> when you turn him loose, he ain't coming back. <laughs> I like the Terminator reference. Does it just well, yeah, that's don't. exactly what he is. <laughs> that, that. And now uh, other breeds are more trainable to be t to be tractable. The main thing about a pit bull is a true pit bull is you have to stop him. You, you don't want him to get to grabbing other dogs because they can be dog aggressive too. Yeah. And it's not just them Americans, all of them. You got to make sure that they're socialized enough that they know they're supposed to get the dog, the, the pig and not the other dogs. Gotcha. So that's step one is to make sure that they don't grab another dog. Now I break mine. A lot of people just keep catch dogs. My catch dogs are part of my family. You know, hooligan may go to town with me tomorrow. He's a registered service dog. He is, he's well behaved. He's not going to bother anyone. He's not going to cause a big problem anywhere. Well, unless a pig comes through, but he's a controllable dog. A lot of these catch dogs, and it's not just the American pit bull terrier. They're one-trick ponies, and they just basically stay in a pen. They take them out, they catch a pig, put back in a pen. Yeah. And my dogs are part of my family, and so I spend a lot of time with them. And the training is 
I've done it so much. I can watch a dog a little bit. If, if you've got a dog bred like mine out of the kind of blood I run, if you get a litter of 10 pups, you're probably going to have all 10 pups that make good catch dogs. There's just, they've been so bred for so long. I mean, you can track the family history back to the turn of the century. There's not much variance in these dogs at this point. Now, you could take a careless breeder and make three generations of careless breeding and have junk. But those dogs are very, you know, if you breed them properly, they produce like kind extremely well. Dogos, if I was going to run dogos, first thing I would do is start searching for some working dogos that are actually working blood because like pit bulls, there's a lot of regular pit bulls out there that are not that great of blood. The difference is even if you go get a pretty sorry pit, he's probably still game enough to fight to the death on a pig. Mm. Even a sorry pit bull is pretty gritty is, is extremely gritty. Yeah. If you get a sorry dogo, he's liable to let go of that pig with you. And you don't want a dog letting go of a pig, a 300 pound pig you've got by the back legs. I've had that happen. Mm. You, you can't take the gameness for granted in other, but you have to search out. I guess what I'm getting at long story short is you can take just an average pit bull and make an outstanding catch dog. When you get into other breeds, you really better hunt the better working lines of them. Gotcha. And and their training is different because they're never going to bring the same things to the table. Yeah. They're going to act differently. Some of it's good. Some of it's bad. Yeah. And my training is actually, you know, I can look at a dog within five, 10 minutes and I can pretty much tell whether he deserves to be trained anymore or you just need to find something else to do with this dog. Right. So... So I'm going to go ahead, you know, there's not too many people that are, that are listening to this that's going to be like, man, I want to go get a hog dog. Uh, but the few that are, I guarantee you there's somebody like, okay, well, that'd be cool to have, but can I do more than just hog hunt with them also? Like, is this, a, it, can you, can you track deer? Can you go mountain hunting? Can you go coon hunting? You know, is it, is it one of those things you need to keep them on hogs that specific game to have an effective dog that you trust to do the job and not get hurt or get yourself hurt? Or is it something to where, again, if you take the time and effort, like you talked about hooligan socializing and training that you can also do that with hunting multiple game. You can, you can, I had one, actually she was my, I call her my chief of security. She same, she served the same purpose that Festus, the one I was telling you about earlier when uh-huh. we were on the phone, that's the old retired one that's here by the pool with me, keeping <laughs> me company. Yeah. She was basically that dog, you know, a few generations. I've had these dogs since I was a kid. I've always got some. And Ellie was 39 pounds, rather small. And she was one of the finest hunting. I actually wrote a, I write short stories and things like that. And I've wrote several stories. Ellie wound up by accident being, she would follow me off. I, I like to bow hunt with traditional bows on the ground. I'll get natural ground blinds. Yeah. She would sit at my feet quiet as a church mouse 
she was actually an effective deer hunting companion. She didn't go find the deer. Now, if I crippled one once I shot, she might go look for it. I'd use her like that, but she was just a hunting buddy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we had one back when I was a kid, my uncle, uh, he had one that was about a eight year old pit bull, pure blood pit bull. And at eight years old, they got to, they basically kind of retired him and pl- started playing with him. And, uh, and lo and behold, he turned into one of the finest squirrel dogs to ever hit this country. Nice. I mean, he was a fabulous squirrel dog. So absolutely. The hooligan is, you know, he does, I do all kinds of things. And he'll ride the four wheeler with me. He'll get on the tractor and bush hog with me. I'm a cabin <laughs> air, so he can't get out and get hurt. You know, they are, because I'm not, I'm not mad at pigs. I don't hate pigs. I actually have a lot of respect for them. You know, it's all about the dogs. Yeah. And that's just one tiny, if, if, if there was not another pig in this country, I would still keep and raise these dogs. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and so it's, no, they can do, they can do it. One thing that they're limited in some things physically, they have very poor noses. Okay. They, so is uh, that, is that why the Bay dogs are, are so different than your catch dogs or SWAT team that you call it? That's typically why the Bay dogs are your hounds and plots and Catahoulas that y- you need the nose work for the Bay dog, but but with what you deal with, with the SWAT, you just, you just need that smart, agile dog with the drive, right? You, you, you need the dog that does not, that is game enough that his, he does not, he is that instinct to self-protection is gone. Mm-hmm. He is, he's going to hit whatever he's supposed to hit. He's going to hit it wide open. He does not care. He can be cut to ribbons and bleeding to death. He's still going. I know that sounds brutal, but that's what it boils down to. Yeah. And it's just, it's just amazing that, that you have that mentality on a pig and yet you, you bring them in the house and it's your companion dog. It's your, it's your deer hunting. Because it's, it's not, it's not a crazy fury. It is an intense focused drive. Yes. There's a big difference. It's a directed drive. It, in fact, I'll reach, I'll, I'll get right in. There'll be, there'll be five bulldogs have a, have a pulse of a pig i'll jump right in the middle on that pig's back and knock him down and try to get him get him down <laughs> i have never one time been bit by a bulldog i've had some bay dogs nip me but i have never had a bulldog bite me they're not frenzied they're not frenzied killers they are cold single-minded determined terminators and there's a big difference yeah that's so I, I'm just picturing you hopping on the back of a pig right now, and I'm sitting here thinking, I'm like, you know, I've never had to hop on the back of a of a rough grouse or worry about my point dogs biting me. <laughs> well, I'll, you want me to tell you what'll make you jump on the back of a pig? <laughs> what? You're gonna understand this because you're a dog guy. Yeah. This, will, what, this is what will make you jump on the back of a pig. Is the dog human bond? Yes. I care about my dogs. I care about them dearly. And I've jumped on several. I've jumped on some pigs that I shouldn't have jumped on because I saw my dog fixing to get severely hurt. And mm-hmm. I was doing what I could to stop it from happening. The, the, the pig I'm talking about that I jumped on his back, he had got one of my dogs down just as long ago, but he had got the dog I called Cable. He had got Cable caught up 
in an old wire fence and he was fixing to he was fixing to put the herd on cable and you know i didn't i didn't make a conscious decision i just saw that he was fixing to he was fixing to gut cable mm. and i just jumped on him yeah. you know and cable wormed his way out of the wire got a hold of his nose and all was good he could have that pig could have very easily turned and cut me but you know the self the, the preservation of your dog will lead me to jump on a pig yeah absolutely well so you mentioned something earlier in this episode to, that you you would put a mean boar up above anything else as far as just aggressive just mean animals i'm curious you know have you hunted bear or mountain lion with your dogs i have i have been on one mountain lion hunt when i was a kid and it was with my was with my stepdad and some of my uncles and we were i was very little and it was one of our bulldogs and i remember there was a big tom in a tree and i don't know why but they didn't want the cat killed it wasn't a kill hunt they were running it and it that cat come out of the tree it was a big tom and he come out of the tree and he went through first thing he did was he grabbed a, one of the actually one of the guys had a rhodesian he grabbed a rhodesian he just mauled that rhodesian right quick mm. and he just run through a couple of more dogs and then he run into mike mike was the little 45 pound pit bull <laughs> and we and, and he he run over mike too but he made about three more leaps and realized Mike was bedded into his shoulder blade. <laughs> like a and then the, it became a ball of hissing and snarling. And I remember one of the guides said, Oh, he's going to, cause the, the cat will ball up and use his back feet like a rake. Yeah. He said, Oh, he's going to go. He's going to, you know, they'll do a lot of damage to a dog with that. And, um, he, we we managed to I don't know if you've ever tried to get a pit bull off an unhappy mountain lion. <laughs> I can't say that I have. <laughs> but it was a interesting procedure and the only cuz remember they didn't want to kill this mountain lion. Yeah. And they happened to and, and I don't know who that guy was but he is he is brave cuz I'm telling you that was an unhappy cat. And he grabbed the bulldog by the back legs as they tossed that, because we were on a slope too. And he managed to get a hold of that bulldog's back legs. And somehow, normally it wouldn't come loose, but somehow he was trying to get a better bite and the dog come off of the cat. And you could see he had already jellied up the shoulder, looked like bloodshot from a gunshot wound. And I mean, he had already hurt that cat pretty bad. And dog's ears were chewed up. It was cut. I mean, it looked bloody. It looked bad, but it really wasn't seriously hurt. Yeah. And the cat tore off on down through the, the canyon. And that's my only experience with a mountain lion. Um, now, I know that they took some of our dogs out there, and they used them for various things. But, and I have, I've been out west a good bit. I would say that, if I had to run up in the woods on a grizzly or a pig, I'd far rather run up on the pig. Okay. Because the pig is not just going to, an unwounded pig is just not hardly going to bother you. Yeah. Um, and, and I would never be so foolish as to say that a, you know, that a 
a boar is as dangerous as a grizzly. If a grizzly's after, if I had something trying to kill me and it was a grizzly or a boar, I'd take the boar. <laughs> okay. Black bear, I'd take my chances with a black bear any day. I, I, I can, a, I can see that one. Touch a, a black bear won't touch a pig with a 10 foot pole. <laughs> I have sat and watched a 90 pound sow absolutely rout. I mean, rout a bunch of coyotes. Mm. That's the reason there's so many pigs is a 90 pound so a 90 pound sow will whoop five or six coyotes. Yeah. Pigs are bad. So mm. other than the big bears and of course, tigers and lions, I would rate a pig because a pig is so very dangerous. Yeah. He's got, remember he's got two buck knives on the side of his head <laughs> yeah. and he knows how to use them. Yep. Uh, and, and actually one of the worst times I've ever been cut, you know, a sow will take hold of you and work a holt just like a dog. Mm-hmm. They will take hold, lock down, and shake the hole just like a dog. Yeah. And one of the worst cuts I ever got was across my hand from a sow. Sows have little, little bitty cutters that are very small, and they, they really can't cut you unless they get their mouth on you, but they are razors. And I had one just slice my hand. Oh, she got my hand in her mouth and just sliced my hand open to the mm-hmm. bone right across the palm. Yeah. So yeah, pigs are until you've, and not all pigs are the same. You get into, we caught some pigs up in Oklahoma. You mentioned you run into some there. They were very black. Yeah. I mean, just black is the ace of spades Mm. and they just weren't as, they weren't on the, these we have here with this Russian, they're going to be a dark city, almost brindle brown red. Yeah. And if you get a really big boar, he'll have a streak of silver under his jaw. And he, he will look just like the pig you see on the National Geographic Wild Russia. Looks okay. exactly like him. He's going to have a little sharp behind. He's going to have the hair poking up, the razor back. He's never going to get, most of them are going to be 2 to 250. He's fast, he's agile, and he has a really bad attitude. Mm. The, ones, the ones I've dealt with when I went out to Texas and all, they were, don't get me wrong, they were certainly some nasty pigs, but they... They didn't seem to have that much Russian in them. They were almost like their own species. Yeah. You know, you, you rarely see a really black pig here. It just, it just doesn't it's really just happen rare. So I'm, I'm curious, you know, you mentioned that, you know, they usually 200, 250, about how much meat do you get off of that? You know, put it in comparison to maybe a deer that the, that my average listener may be able to relate to. Uh, you go through all this effort, you, 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 you put yourself, your dogs in danger. You know, I know that you ultimately the reward is the dog doing its job, but let's, let's say the reward is the meat. How much meat are you t- uh, walking away with from your typical normal pig that you come across well the the first thing i'll say is everybody wants you to bring them a pig until it's time to bring them a pig (laughs) and then they don't want the pig because you know if when when they say bring them a pig they mean wrapped in butcher paper ready to grill yeah they don't mean bring them a dead pig to butcher oh that's it's the same thing with the deer too (laughs) that's exactly right if i can find someone to give the meat to I certainly do. A lot of the pigs, we kill them and leave them. I'm not going to lie about it. It's just mm. the way it is. We're there to get rid of the pigs. If we get a good eater, like a, a big boar, mm-hmm. 
there's just better things to eat. I mean, if, if you're trying, if you're on Survivor, if you're on Naked and Afraid or something, <laughs> eat the big boar. But <laughs> well, in the is, real world, is it something that you can church up? Like maybe you just slow cook it or braise it or parboil it for a long while? Or is it even, even with all that added uh, additional effort, is it really just not worth it to, in your opinion? It's never going to be as good as a much smaller one. Um, now, that said, if I get the right eater, I can roll it over on its belly. I can get the loins and the best part of the tender. I can get the best part of the hind quarters out in about three minutes, put it in the cooler, and roll. Mm. Um, gotcha. As far as taking the whole pig out and butchering it, if it's during deer season and it's cold weather and I can do it without it spoiling, I usually do. Because mm-hmm. um, I'm certainly not a wasteful sort, and I'm not in any way condoning that. But, it, uh, yeah, but it's important out, for people to realize like what you're talking about ultimately is they are invasive species, right? I mean, it, it, it's you are doing a service by taking out these pigs. I know it sounds brutal, and you know, for, for us bird hunters, it, it's kind of unfathomable for a lot of us to, to really understand like leaving your game in the field. But, you know, I, I have a hard time understanding that myself, but you know, there is just that many pigs down where you're at and they're doing that much damage to the landscape to where they really just have to be eradicated. You, you have, they are, and, and it's not even the things you see, you, you hear the things on, you, you read about the horse breaks its leg and where it's rooting and they yeah. tearing up the crop fields. They certainly do all of that. What you don't see is that when they move in, your squirrel population plummets. Your quail population, the they raid nests too. Well, not the squirrel. They can't get up to the squirrel nest. If I see one up there, I'm calling <laughs> it going home. You but need a different type of dog for that. <laughs> All the late se- if, if you notice late season, you see the squirrels out foraging on the ground. Yeah. It's not there. Mm. And I'm not saying they eradicate the squirrels, but on, on our own property, before pigs, and I'm a fanatical squirrel hunter. I love me some squirrel hunter. Mm-hmm. You could go down there with just a 22 and a little bit of woodsmanship skill, and by 8 o'clock in the morning, you got your limit of eight squirrels. Come yeah. on home. Yep. You can hunt all morning now, and if you get two or three squirrels, you've had a good morning. And it's it's everywhere I've seen the pigs move in that they destroy that late season mast yep. that's on the ground, and they outcompete the squirrels, and the squirrel population just drops because of it. Yep. And you have so that they, they hurt the turkeys, the quail, mm. anything that nests on the ground. You don't want pigs around. Yeah, they have some good benefits you will see your rattlesnake and cottonmouth population plummet because they will eat them. Yeah. So they do some good, but they do way more harm than good. I was about to say, at what cost? I would like to circle back to the meat spoilage. I'm going to give you a scenario of last Saturday's hunt, that 60-pounder. That was an eater that we did not eat. Allow me to elaborate why. There is no, from where we had to leave the bikes, the four-wheelers, we had to go through, picture, I don't know, maybe indoor where Yoda lived, if you can picture that. (laughs) Picture about 800 yards of that, and then in the middle of a really nasty briar patch. That's where we got that pig. It would have been 
and it's hot. By the time we would have got that pig, pork spoils fast. Yeah. It's not like a deer. It won't keep as long as a deer. By the time we would have got that little pig out, we would have been completely, it's all we could do to get ourselves back out. So a lot of times the kill is in a place that it's just not practical. Yeah. I mean, it's just not practical. Well, I mean, like you said, just the spoilage. I mean, you're you're hunting this pig in May. I mean, to to yeah. the people listening and and the, and they're hunting birds. You know, picture picture deer hunting in May or June. You know how hot it is, yeah. and you're you're in South Mississippi. You know you're you're already a month or two ahead of us on the temperature change. So it, yeah. it, it is important to note that. But yeah, I mean, you know, I just want I, I I was just curious because you know obviously you know we, we focus on the dogs here, but I was uh, you know I'm putting this in terms of maybe the person that doesn't know anything about hog hunting, and so like any questions that they may have to where maybe they want to get involved, and so. Yeah. Speaking of that, you know, what, what would you say is advisable to the smallest group or pack that you can go hunting with that's safe and also enjoyable to where you don't have to worry about, you know, say I go buy a hog dog, it's my prized possession, I spend all this time, energy, effort, love on this dog, and I go hog hunting, but I have to worry about, you know, one-on-one with a pig, that's not going to be effective. What would you say is the minimum uh, number of dogs that you need in that pack. And I know it depends on the quality of dogs, but just, just kind of ballpark it for us. Well, that is a very, I'm going to give you a politician's answer because I don't have any choice. <laughs> yeah. I have seen, I have seen guys that could effectively go catch pigs with two dogs. Okay. I, I've, I've seen a guy that caught pigs with one dog. Now, that's not ideal, and I didn't see him catch many really big, nasty ones. Catching catching sixty pound shoats ain't that hard, and it, it it you know when you're gonna do fine with one or two dogs till you run into Hogzilla, mm. and that's where it's really gonna get problematic. Generally, we have three to five bay dogs out, and I like to take two to three catch dogs okay if you've got if you've got if you've got two I, I like to have two catch dogs because it's it's safer for the dogs um if you got two good catch dogs that's plenty for even the nastiest whole nastiest boar even if you've got the rankest pig you're ever going to find I, I, some guys are going to argue with that but if you need more than two dogs, you don't have really great catch dogs. Okay. I've, I've never seen anything that two good catch dogs couldn't effectively handle. And what, what happens a lot of times, like that 60-pound one, is you will have too many dogs. And I've, I've seen people go in there with eight or ten catch dogs, and you're, you're really looking for trouble. Because then they get there, they're all excited, they're squealing, there's blood. And they can't get to the pig. There's dogs in the way. It's just bottleneck. And that's when you start having them grab other dogs and bad things happen. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. It's so bottlenecked and cl- I, all I clogged I up. I don't want more than two to three catch dogs. Bay dogs, honestly, down here, these pigs that we're running on my place, I would like to put out about 30 bay dogs at one time. Because <laughs> nice. my pigs have a PhD in running. 
And what we run in, what we're running into now is we'll get on one and we have one of my friends, Bay dogs is he gravitates toward boars. They have a very different smell, but they'll jump a boar and then they may run him 30, 40 minutes through some of the nastiest country you can imagine. And then he will just go run right through the middle of another sounder. Pigs running everywhere. The dogs get on another fresh pig. Then they run him 40 minutes. Then he runs through another sounder. They get on another one. That's becoming more and more problematic in that we, we, we can't stay on the same pig a lot of times. Yeah. And I, I, some of the best dogs I've ever seen, and I don't know what breed they were, but he had two of them and them dogs were gonna stay together. I mean, they, it's just that they, they, them dogs stayed together. Once they found a pig, they stayed on that pig and they put so much heat on him that they tended to make him bay up. Um, get, get back to your question. Some places you don't need, but a couple of one good bay dog may be all you need. Some places you may need eight, 10, 12 to yeah. really get in there and get on pigs. Gotcha. Makes sense. So how's that for a politician's answer? It makes sense, man. You covered it both sides. Can't tell which side of uh, of the coin you're on. I got it. <laughs> so, well, it, it's, it's just an, it's just a, yeah, so many variables. There. I was about to say, there's so much nuance and, and context that's missing. So it, it gives the it gives the general answer. And so let's say that I'm brand new to this. It's like, all right, I got my two good catch dogs. I've got a buddy with two or three good bay dogs. What equipment mm -hmm. do I need? You are you already said tracking collars. That makes sense. You uh, cut vest. Mm -hmm. Every dog needs a cut vest out there. I'm assuming it's not just catch dogs. Or are you putting cut cut uh, vests on bay dogs? Or are you not worrying about it? We the the group the guys I hunt with mostly. He's got a couple of dogs that will occasionally try a pig, or he tends that dog for whatever reason tends to get too close yeah and he, he dog gets cut a lot so he runs what's called a running catch vest on him which is a lightweight catch vest okay most of the bay dogs just run tracking collars because they're not they're not supposed to be interacting with the pigs yeah and you may get one cut a little bit here and there if they corner them in a thicket or up against a fence or something but it's not that you you, you really and if you put a, a big cut vest on a bay dog, they're run. They may run two hours. You know, it's just not practical. Yeah. You're going to overheat them. You just can't really run, and they're really not needed. For my bulldogs, not only do I want, I have, I'm very, I've become very specific. Um, the the you know the the last dog I seen killed was a catch dog, and he got very experienced. He'd been on a many of them. He wasn't mine. He was my friend's dog, but he was a good catch dog. And he run into a boar and he, he caught him in a place that the cutters kept going up under his chin over and over, just over, just like stab over and over and over. And finally, one of them went up through the jawbone and this uh, it's a little gruesome, went up mm -hmm. through the jawbone and broke off even with the pig. Oof. And 
you know, the, the, the pig and the dog died together. Dog mm. bled to death. Um, I want a cut vest that has leg guards on the front. They look like little flaps. Mm-hmm. And the one I run that I like the best, it has no, most of them just have a vest, then they have a thick collar. My vest goes all the way up under the chin and up under the chin to prevent the under the chin. I've seen a lot of dogs get killed with continual stabs under the chin. So I want that chin guard. Um, and that's just from seeing that happen to that dog and several others get nearly killed yeah. from punctures just right up under the chin and throat right there. Wow. Um, well, and uh, you, you, the, the, the tracking collars, mm-hmm. I want a tracking collar on my catch dog. A lot yeah. of people don't put tracking collars on catch dogs. A lot of catch dogs don't need a tracking collar. Yeah, but if that pig get, gets cut loose, you already said that you're not calling that dog back. It's chasing that pig. That's that's exactly right. Hooligan is not the only way I'm getting hooligan back is if that pig gets far enough away from him, he loses. You know, he's not going to, he can't scent him. He can't, you know, if he gets out of sight and out of hearing, but he's going to follow them other hounds if they run to the next county. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I want you. a tracking collar. Now, I'd, I've got, I've got a buddy that's got a perfectly good catch dog that if the pig breaks, once it's out of sight, he's coming right back to him. Very laid back (laughs) dog. Yeah. And he's a good catch dog. Is he going to be the difference between him and hooligan is hooligan that, that dog, if you hurt him enough, if he gets hurt bad enough, he's probably going to let go of that pig. Hmm. Hooligan ain't if if Hooligan's got a hold of that pig, he ain't letting go. As long as he's drawing a breath, he ain't letting go of that pig. <laughs> I mean, it just ain't gonna happen. Oh man! Well, and, uh, I, I I like that quality in a dog. Yeah. So I gotta ask, you know, what one thing that us bird dog guys or any dog person that's in the field a lot, we all have some sort of first aid kit. And you already mentioned that, you know, you physician up your dogs quite a bit. Y'all turn into doctors out there and vets. Do y'all have a typical first aid kit or do you kind of make your own? And what is, what are the staples that you have to have within that kit? Well, I, I like to have some Benadryl available in case of snake bites and things like that. There's mm-hmm. a lot of things I like to have as far as particularly for pigs. I used to carry a circle needle and cat gut and things like that. And I've sewed up a bunch of dogs. Um, and I saved some dogs. I had, uh, the, the cable dog, I told you that got caught in the fence that I jumped on the pig. Yeah. He got a, he received a terrible, I mean, a terrible cut in the abdomen about a year after that. Mm. And this is back in the day before cut vests. There was, there was no cut vest back in this day. Mm. And he received a truly horrific cut, basically through the abdomen and up over. I mean, just just terrible. And you know, all I could do was all I could do. I just put him back together as best I could. He was fine. You know, it didn't didn't get an art. It didn't. You know, it just wasn't enough to kill him. Yeah. And I sewed him up with cat gut and a circle needle. Now, staples are nice. Um, because of you know, I tried to go get some more stuff the other day to a vet that's been a friend of mine forever. 
And he said, man, I can't sell it to you. He said, they got some kind of law. It's a violation. And he said, you know, it would give, you know, if I got caught doing it, I said, I don't want you to do anything that's going to put your livelihood in jeopardy. I understand. You don't have to explain. But, you know, I can go online and order it, but a vet can't sell it to me. So that's more government stupidity in the way there. <laughs> but I like staples. Well, it, it is. I'm not, a, yep. I'm not a big government guy. I'll go ahead and say it. And, you know, and I can understand the vet not selling me morphine or something, but staples. staples yeah, that's, you know? that, that's a little crazy. And, uh, you know, so I, I like to be able to fix a dog. Mm-hmm. Honestly, with the cut vests now, things are different. You don't get the, you know, the cut vests are, this last one I got, man, it's good. It's light, it's thin, and and you know we the old ones we used to get some of the a really good cutter would kind of go through it, mm. and it still helped because you didn't get the long slashing gashes like you used to. But honestly, things are much better than they were. I mean the 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 technology in cut vests. If you go get a good cut vest for your catch dog, you can lose. You can still get that dog killed. Things can go wrong, but. He's way safer than he used to be. Yeah. Um, and and actually the, the 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 dogs that wind up the worst are the ones that don't have the grit to stay with it. When the dog gets himself killed, is when he turns loose and turns his back on the pig. Yeah. That's when that's when he's really going to get in big trouble. Your dog that just stays right there, like the Terminator, he's far mm-hmm. less likely to get in big trouble than one that starts a fight and then tries to get out of it. Yeah. No, uh, I, I can kind of understand that. It's kind of like, you know, these extreme sports people, you know, that do the ramps and jumps and all that stuff. They say it's the people that always draw off the jump, right? They don't fully commit. They're the ones that get hurt, but the ones that just go in all the way, they're the ones that just come come away uh, without getting hurt. But Right. Uh, so, I mean, what, what, what are we missing here? You know, we can sit here and talk the stories all day long because I'm fascinated by this stuff, but, you know, put it in terms of somebody that's never been on a hunt. What, what's the best advice you can give them? And and we can kind of close out with that. Okay. Here, here's my best advice is find somebody. If you're in a part of the country that it's, if you're in the South, you can find somebody to tag along with going hawk hunting do that. If you're from somewhere else, go somewhere and tag along and see what it's like, because it is not sunshine and roses. It is not a bird dog hunt. It is exhausting. It's brutal. It can be boring because sometimes you just wind up looking for dogs all day, never even seeing a pig. And you need to be in pretty good sh- If you're going to do anything and actually see what's going on, you need to be in good shape. Mm-hmm. You're not going to sit in the buggy and see the show. And you need to understand that these animals can be dangerous. Um, I would, I would kind of know who I, I've been off. I went off with some guys one time that, that they come to actually, some of my family invited them to our property to hog hunt which I didn't have a problem with that, but I just kind of tagged along a little bit and, you know, I was like, eh, no, not this crew. 
Um, <laughs> you, you need to make sure you're, you, you don't want to tag along with someone just getting started. Yeah. Because things can, especially don't tag along with someone just getting started carrying a bunch of guns. Yeah. You know, I would, I would way rather, I would way rather be cut up by a pig than shot by somebody scared, didn't know what they was doing. Yeah. And trust me, a pig will make people lose. If you want to see somebody lose their cool, let about a 250 pound boar bear down. <laughs> like I said, they'll shoot, they'll shoot you, the four wheeler, the dogs, everything but the pig. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. That, that is not the time for a firearm. So, sounds about and, right. Uh, and, and that would be my best advice is get with someone that does it. Cause to be honest, you're not just going to go get a pack of dogs and go out and start being successful unless you have someone that that can kind of show you the ropes and 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 I don't want to put the stink on it cuz a lot of people love it but you know if if you're not in pretty good physical shape and and this is just for this area I don't know I I know some guys out in Texas and they're out hog hunting in shorts and sandals and they catch hogs I don't know exactly what they're doing but it's obviously different country yeah um where where I'm at, that don't work. Mm. And so I don't want to speak for the whole country because I'm just, you know, I'm just down here in South Mississippi. And down here in South Mississippi, shorts and sandals don't work too well for <laughs> home. <laughs> nah, I can't imagine. So, But I would definitely try to get with someone and, and, uh, and you know, get some firsthand experience for I just, I, I wouldn't just, go get a bunch of dogs and hog hunt i've seen people try that and it usually doesn't end well gotcha makes sense that said it is a blast it is fun it is great so i I don't want to scare people off and not have them do it i just don't want people getting involved in it thinking it's a easy spectator sport it's just potentially dangerous and it's grueling yeah just go into it with realistic expectations and know what you're getting yourself into because you can do more harm than good for yourself the your buddies your dogs obviously you know just just be honest with yourself and and understand what you're jumping into you know this isn't the same thing as you know going going bird hunting with one dog there there are there is danger associated with this but but Travis, there, there, there's one question I'm just curious about because you, you mentioned that you know the the gun aspect and you don't carry guns, but you carry knives. Are hog dog guys are y'all as crazy about knives as the typical average upland hunter is about their guns? Do y'all sit there and compare models and makes on the knives? I don't. Some do. <laughs> um, I just grab whatever is. I'm a. I'm a practical sort. Now I have a friend in Natchez that had some guy in Alaska make him a custom hog stabbing knife. <laughs> Crocodile Dundee and, knife, huh? And I'm all about, well, it's actually a Bowie knife. Because <laughs> okay. Natchez is where Jim Bowie was from. And the guy was, the guy that made the knife for him was actually excited because he got to build a Bowie knife for a guy that lives basically where Jim Bowie lives or yeah. lived. But, you know, I'm, I don't, I, that's great. You know, that's mm-hmm. not me, but yes, yeah, some guys get all, they get all bent out of shape about it and they really into the knives. I'm, 
I'm really into the dogs. Yep. It's all about the dogs to me. You sound just like me with the gun talk. Every time somebody asks, asks us why we don't ever talk about guns and stuff on the podcast, I'm like, because I ultimately really don't care. As long as it shoots and does its job, I'm good. I'm a, I'm a dog guy, and, you know, if I went bird hunting with you, you know, I want to see – I want to see a good bird dog do its thing. There if I'm on a beagle hunt, I want to see that high drive beagle barking every breath, doing its <laughs> thing. You know, it's 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 all about the dogs. If I'm on a hog hunt, I can appreciate a good bay dog, a good catch dog. Um, I don't, you know, you can tell I'm a proponent of the dogs I like. Mm-hmm. I'll be the first one to tell you I've trained. I've trained some of the, some dogs you would not believe that were, I had a little Patterdale that was, and I trained, it wasn't mine. I trained it for a little male Patterdale. He was, I bet that dog wasn't 20 pounds soaking wet. Mm. That little sucker was absolutely, he was just, he just made your heart sore just to watch him. He had the heart of a lion. And the thing about the little dogs is they're extremely hot. It's very hard for the pig to cut them. They'll throw them around like a rag doll, look like they're killing them, throwing them up against trees. Ain't hurting him. Mm-hmm. And the little dog's hard to cut. I loved watching that little Patterdale. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, Travis, again, like I said, we could talk about this all night long. I can listen to the stories and everything. I'll, hopefully one day I can come down and check out your operation and how you hunt. And, and like you said, you know, if, if you ever hunted, wanted to come up and hunt birds with me, come on. But uh, I, it sounds like uh, we're, we're cut from the same cloth because we're all about the dogs and seeing the dog work. Uh, but, again, I wanted to thank you for coming on talking about this i know this can kind of be a sensitive subject for a lot of people and and it's kind of a a a tight tight mouth group uh so i appreciate you coming on and sharing your knowledge and experience and and some stories well i appreciate the invite and you're certainly welcome at my supper table anytime um as far as the tight mouth group i'm i'm pro dog i'm pro sporting dog i don't uh you know i don't want to I don't believe in any unnecessary cruelty, but sporting dogs, bird hunting, rabbit dogs, I'm 100% pro that, and I'm just not much of a PETA fan. (laughs) Well, with that being said, there's nothing else to add on that. Again, Travis, appreciate it, and we'll definitely have to have you back on someday. Great talking to you, my friend. Thank you. Thank you for listening to GDIY. If you enjoy this podcast, please remember to take a moment to rate, review, and share with a friend. Also, be sure to follow us and our partners on Facebook and Instagram under Gundog It Yourself. If you really enjoy the podcast and would like to contribute even more to the future content, please check out our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Gundog It Yourself. Thanks again and happy hunting. Everyone seems to have the same questions or concerns when they start trying to decide which kennel to purchase for their vehicle. Perhaps it's time to stop asking all the questions and just design the perfect setup that meets your exact needs. B-Pro Kennel specializes in designing and fabricating custom premier dog boxes handcrafted right here in the USA from high-grade, lightweight aluminum. They'll get you set up with the size dimensions, lighting, storage, battery boxes with solar charging, and anything else you can dream of. Stop stressing over buying the wrong setup just have to replace it again and year. Go ahead and check out bprokennels.com and get exactly what you want.
If you're considering changing your dog's food soon, then be sure to check out Yukonuba Pro Performance. Their science-backed formulas are designed to take your dog to the next level of performance. They also now have the new puppy formula to help your pup start strong and live active. When looking at all the different food options, remember Yukonuba to help power their ultimate performance. Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's Bob from Lone Duck's Gun Dog Chronicles podcast. I hope you just enjoyed the episode you just listened to. And if you did, I think you'll enjoy hopping on ours. We've got professional retriever trainers and upland bird dog trainers from across the country and world sharing their tips and tricks and great stories to help you and your dog get ready for the season. We'll see you there.